This talk is offered by Ordinary Minds Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Andrew is an Australian Dharma heir of Barry Majid and is dedicated to extending Barry's vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. We're going to explore a continuation of a practice which has very ancient origins and uh, and uh, comes down to us through many different uh, traditions. And sometimes this might seem a little bit abstract um, in terms of what's going on at the moment in the in the Ukraine and other parts of the world. Um, the fact that uh, wars continue to happen on a regular basis in the history of humanity. And um, it'd be interesting to reflect as we go along how our kind of practice hopefully makes a contribution to peace in the world and, and how we can actually feel that on a personal level and uh, feel it deeply. So bear that in mind as we go through this morning's session. I'm just going to start with a quote which is a little bit philosophical. It says, practice leads to a realization of one's own true nature prior to habitual self-substantialization <laughs> prior to habitual self-substantialization. What does that mean? That just basically means that um, referring to really the, the taken for granted way in which people live in the world. Uh, we think of ourselves primarily as a, as a subject or as a kind of thing or an entity existing in the world with other selves, with other entities. And we have this experience of a, a reality out there. And uh, sometimes that sometimes that reality is, is kind to us and sometimes it's harsh. So in, in Buddhism, of course, and in Zen Buddhism, we have this teaching about there is nothing substantial either within a as in, in a self or identity or uh, in the universe as a whole. Everything is in flux. Everything is lacking uh, substantial reality, independent reality. Everything is interdependent. So our practice is about seeking to find some freedom from habitual ways of continuously getting caught in self-centered dream. And um, I've been spending a little bit of time now uh, starting to study uh, a 20th century philosopher called Edmund Husserl, 
who was the founder of what's known as phenomenology. And um, very curiously, uh, Husserl, um, through his, um, what he referred to as the, uh, the, the transcendental eye, um, through this process he called the epoche, actually arrived through philosophy at a very similar place to Advaita Vedanta and some versions of Zen Buddhism. And, um, and it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, now he called this method that he used to arrive at this realization was what he called the epoche, which is a Greek term, Greek philosophical term, which has its origins in the what was known as the in the Hellenistic age, the, the, the skeptics. Um, you're probably familiar with the Stoics and the, uh, the Epicureans, but there was another school of philosophy in those days called skepticism. There's one famous skeptic, Greek skeptic called Pyrrho, who actually probably traveled to India, ran about the saint, who witnessed Buddhist monks and uh, other yogis and was influenced by their the teachings. And one of the, uh, these, uh, these, these practices that the skeptics had was what they called the epoche. And it kind of like just basically means the, the skeptics basically wanted us to, 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 uh, to see how beliefs are a problem. And they wanted to uh, bracket or suspend our identification with beliefs. And the epoche also has a kind of etymological origin as in stopping as well, stilling. It's, um, so in many ways, it's very, very close to the Buddhist meditation and practice of shamatha. It's stilling or stopping the mind by focusing on an object. And the reason why we do that is to, to uh, see how or to help us to free us from our habitual reactivity or tendency to a, to, to, to identify with the, 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 the thinking mind. I've lost you, Andrew. Yeah, we had a bit of a stop. The connection went and uh, just came back again. So the gods and goddesses were kind and reconnected us. So you can all hear me again? Hmm. All right. Um, so this, um, this practice of um, bracketing our beliefs um, especially our beliefs about the world of subjects and objects and external reality. And, uh, and returning to, rather than focusing outwards, bringing our focus of attention backwards towards the source of all of this. So in Buddhist practice, we are usually familiar with, as I said, the practice of shamatha, focusing on an object, and the passion of 
which is starting to see the, the, the stream of consciousness, the flux, the impermanence of everything. And uh, however, in some other traditions, there's been a practice where called pointers, were, were in the Advaita Vedanta tradition and then probably in the Koan tradition, there's a, a, there's a use of questions and questioning to point to something. Um, we're, what we're pointing to is always that which is really cannot be described or put into words. It's an experience, it's experiential. Like we were talking about on Tuesday, that which is prior to thought. And uh, so the notion of using language to point is, uh, you find this in the Vita and also in the Koan tradition in Zen. So what I'd like to do this morning is just a little exercise and um, we can enjoy it, have some fun with it. And, um, and it's kind of like um, showing you uh, one way in which this sense of an epoche uh, and reduction is done. Uh, and um, I'm going to start off with a basically um, a short version. So remember, this, the basic metaphor is we're suspending or bracketing the, what, what Husserl called the natural attitude, the, 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 the naturalism that we normally, how we normally just find ourselves in the world. And, uh, and we're turning, we're trying to bracket that and actually go to our direct experience. And so all these questions are turning us around to look at actually what is it we actually experience when we start to bracket our beliefs and our concepts about ourselves and the world. We're basically bracketing everything as much as we can, everything that's conceptual. So we start with, a, I'll start with a short version and, uh, and then I'll go to a longer version. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question and uh, are you aware right now? Put your hand up if you think you're aware right now. Some people are not sure. Okay. For those of you who know that you're aware, how do you know you're aware? I think therefore I am. So we, we, it's very difficult to doubt that we're existing right now, right? It's very difficult to doubt that we're experiencing right now. So for most of us, we would regard that as beyond dispute, that you are aware, you are present. Then you can ask yourself the question, which is often asked in Zen, is who? Who is aware? And uh, just contemplate that for a minute. Would anybody like to have a go? Who is aware?
is a thought aware. Is a sensation aware. Who or what is aware right now? Just go to your experience and keep it simple. It's not complex. The eternal consciousness that's behind um, this. Not that simple, but that's, that's my answer. No problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit conceptual, but perhaps. Um, or what one could simply say, I am aware. Okay? No. <laughs> okay. So, okay, let's just say I am aware. So, can you see the eye that is aware? No. Can you feel the eye that is aware? Or is the feeling something which is appearing in the eye that is aware? You say, can you hear the eye that is aware? Or is it just hearing? Alternatively, I don't know if it's raining where you are, but it's raining here, like the sound of the rain. Where is the sound of the rain appearing? Where is it being experienced? Is it In separate me. from you or is it within you? Yeah. There's no distance between the sound of the rain and our awareness. Similarly with sensations, where are the sensations appearing? So, one of the simple pointer questions is basically to, to say to yourself every now and again, just stop, am I aware? Yes. Mm. And just be, just be that awareness. Okay, now that's, that's the short version. Now I'm, I'm going to give you a longer version. And so um, this is enjoyable. It's, um, I'm actually, um, so I'm using this as a demonstration of what Husserl called bracketing or suspending. And uh, there's a, uh, a non-dual teacher. Um, some of you might be familiar with him. His name is Muji. He's got plenty of uh, videos on YouTube. He's quite clever, and, uh, and this is a teaching that he presents called The Invitation. I've, um, I've added a few bits here and there, but I've also just uh, plagiarized him pretty extensively as well. So 
I'm acknowledging and referencing Muji's text called The Invitation, if any of you are interested. But um, I'm using this to give you an example of what I'm talking about in terms of bracketing or suspending beliefs, suspending concepts. Okay, so just sit back and relax. Take on a, like a meditation posture. And I'll, I'll, I'll take you on a little journey. Or Muji will take us on a little journey. Okay. So today we are going to recognize that which has been there since time began. Our true self. Our true self has been hidden by our identification with what in Zen we call the mind road, our thinking mind, beliefs, judgments, etc. So I'm going to invite you to enter into the room of being. I'm going to invite you to enter into the room of being. But before you enter, please leave your shoes outside the door. And one more thing, please leave your mind outside the door. It is your thinking mind because it will get in the way of what you truly wish to recognize. How do I leave my mind outside the door, you may ask? Well, let's start with all the ideas you have about yourself that you carry around, all the usual I am this or that of personal identity. So let's leave aside all thoughts about the past and any memories which tie you to the past. Also, let go of any thoughts or hopes or dreams you may have about the future. Also, leave aside any thoughts you may have about the present and about the exercise that we are engaging in right now to see if you can bracket all those judgments. Just leave all these thoughts aside. Allow yourself to be entirely empty and free. And continuing, let's leave our personal sense of self outside the door as well. As Dorgan famously said, in order to discover your true self, you have to forget your old self, the self you have always believed yourself to be 
for all these years. Now, as we continue, there may be some resistance or even fear which may arise from time to time. This is to be expected, so don't panic. When we are finished, you are free to wander back outside at any time and pick up the old self that you've left behind. All these old identities that we carry around are easy to find and we'll be very happy to see you again and very willing to return to you at any time. Or even if you want to stop this exercise right now at any time, the exit sign is always there. So you can always go back to the old self right now if you want to. So if we continue, we're going to continue to leave all those familiar identities outside the door. Identities such as I am single or I am partnered. Identities such as I am a father, I am a mother. I am employed, self-employed, unemployed, retired, pensioner. I am Australian, English, Scottish. Leave all those identities outside the door. Now we're going to also leave our body outside the door. Not our, not our lived experience of the body, but our concepts of the body. So, for example, leave aside outside your age, the concept of your age, the concept of your gender, the concept of thin or fat, tall or short, attractive, not attractive. Leave all those kinds of judgments outside the door. Also leave outside all those familiar judgments about ourselves that we often get caught into outside the door. Judgments such as I am lovable, I am unlovable. I am a success or I am a failure. I am smart or I am stupid. All those kinds of judgments we make about ourselves. Leave all those outside the door. Now leave aside even the idea of enlightenment. Leave that outside the door. Simply stay as you are. What a relief, becoming a no-thing. Now as you enter the room of being, you are empty. Welcome. 
remain empty like zero. Don't go forward or backward. Don't pick up any new concepts or ideas. Just recognize this effortless place. You are now inside the dimension of your true self, your true being. Simply rest in and what remains by itself. This is called in Zokchen your natural state. There is no next thing to do or undo. There are no concepts here. There is no time, no past, no future, not even now. There is nothing to gain or lose, nothing to expect, nothing to compare. You are beyond form, indefinable, yet fully here. What our First Nations people refer to as deep listening, Dadiri. Just be the listening. In this unbound space, recognize you are not holding on to anything. Each thought or feeling is like a cloud passing. You are like the sky fast and unchanging. Notice the limitless space of formless awareness. Just this sense of isness, natural, silent and empty. It is just what it is. It is just what is, just this. What was and what could be have floated by. Nothing sticks. There is only the space of formless awareness. You are naturally self-aware. Only awareness is aware of awareness. You are the I that is aware. Awareness itself, empty and free. Now the mind, the thinking mind, might be calling from outside the door. This is boring. There's nothing here. There's nothing to do. What's the point? We're not getting anywhere. This is all just talk. It's vital not to get pulled back into the mind's web. Don't trust it. Don't believe it. Don't engage with it. 
Mind is just trying to trick you into becoming your personal self again so that you remain unaware of your true state and power as unborn awareness. Notice that the deceiving mind can only attack the ideas you have of yourself and not your true self, which is beyond its reach. You are the formless intelligence in which everything appears. Yet yourself remains untouched and unperturbed by anything the mind might say. Feel what it is to just to be. To be is not an instruction to be carried out. You are effortless existence. There is nothing to construct or change. There is nothing to add or get rid of. You are already complete just as you are. Be one with this knowing. You are now in the natural, egoless space, unbound. And this awareness that we are is also self-affectionate. It is loving awareness. It is love itself, totally accepting, totally giving. Now that you are here in the room of being, I would like to ask you a few questions. This space, this field of awareness, though indescribable, is fully alive, isn't it? So let me ask you a few questions which you can ponder and then we'll and just allow the question to reveal the reality of your experience. Is this awareness an object? Is this awareness a feeling? Does this awareness have any beginning or ending? Does it have any limitations or any boundary beyond which it is not? Can it be photographed? Can it be troubled by any desires, attachments or fears? Can it be owned by any person, doctrine, or religion? Does awareness itself think or meditate? Can it become emotional? 
Can it be depressed, confused, or angry? Can it become jealous, insecure, or rejected? Does it require or depend on a belief? Can it become sick? Can it suffer or cause suffering? Can it be for or against anyone? Does it have any needs or can it lack anything? Can it have any problems? Is awareness personal? If it is not a person or any other object of perception, how is it being recognized? You have now recognized awareness, but where has it been all this time? Can it ever leave or fade? Where would it go? Can there be an outside of awareness? Can the recognition of awareness happen outside of or apart from awareness itself? Finally, is there any distance between what you are and the awareness of what is? If there is no distance or separation between yourself and the awareness, then all that you are experiencing must be about you. And all the phenomena you are experiencing must be appearing and disappearing in you. This recognition of you as being awareness must obviously be a non-phenomenal recognition. This means it is an intangible, invisible recognition. For how else can that which is formless be recognized? Awareness cannot be recognized by anything other than awareness itself. Therefore, awareness and your true self are one and the same. The mind might try and dispute this, but it is too late. You are already in. You are already here in your true home where you have always been. Be confirmed in this. You are introduced to your own pure being. Recognize that you are not a visitor here. Have you ever been more peaceful, content, and complete than you are now? This is your true place. This is your true self. Become accustomed to remaining one with awareness of awareness. Bring your attention to it as frequently as you can throughout the day. Stay with it. Acknowledge it. Enjoy its loving embrace. Be it. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy yourself. Okay, you can uh, all go back outside the room and then pick up your old self. And... <laughs> okay, so um, we'll uh, open up for discussion.
Or you can just continue to sit in awareness, that's fine as well. In the next state, remain in silence, that's fine. Can you hear some words? That's that's my background. I'm just feeling very relaxed. Um, I don't particularly want to re-engage with concepts at the moment. Fair enough. Thank you. Well, that's a lovely communication anyway from your uh, companions in the in the trees. I feel there is something there, but it appears to be obscured by the objects of consciousness. All the things appearing within it. Well, the, the, the objects of consciousness which appear in awareness, yeah. Um, It's very easy for us to reconceptualize them where they become things again. So in order to keep this sort of practice going, the next step is to actually become intimate with the objects within awareness. So for example, a thought. See clearly that a thought is something which is appearing in awareness. And like all the other objects of awareness, is not separate from awareness. It's the thought like the sound has no distance from awareness. If you like, you could say it's known by awareness. And we are experiencing this thought through the knowing of it. And the thought is inseparable from that knowing of it so it's only when we get caught up in the concepts that it creates the seeming separation of duality when we see quite clearly that the objects are inseparable from awareness that's that's the non-dual not to It's awareness is obscured by the concepts, by the creation or the projection of subject and object. And that's what we are bracketing. We can bracket it through these kinds of questions, or you can bracket it through your meditation practice. Thank you, Andrew. <clears throat> I found Muji's invitation always takes me to a place of almost pure awareness. So thank you for the reminder. It's a, it's a beautiful saying, talk. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth.
I'd like to second that one. No, thank you, Pingalo. Or thank you, Muji. <laughs> Muji. Of course, one doesn't have to dress up in any particular funny hat to experience this. <laughs> Love the magpie background. Fabulous. There's all sorts of thoughts that are going through my mind, but I don't want to latch on to any of them. So. I find that um, when I go to that place, I don't really want to come back. So I might stay there. Thank you. It was lovely. I think that's the challenge in a way. I think that's sort of like entering into the room of being is, is, is only halfway along the journey of, you know, the next stage is to bring this back into the marketplace of everyday life so that one experiences that sense of freedom and transparency while engaging in our everyday life relationships and, and so on, where it is much more easy to get pulled back into the natural attitude. But uh, please, uh, um, Jill. What I don't understand is can 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 you hear Jill speaking? Can you just can you hear? Uh, Not very well. Can you hear better now? No. It's more. Why is our thinking like thinking and listening to you, but getting us there? Not getting us out listening to what you're saying. Good, 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 good point. Yeah, I mean that's um, that's one of the problems of uh, guided meditation. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's kind of like, um, take it, take it as a practice, take it as a practice, as, as a kind of, um, like I was trying to get across the notion that, um, what we, I was trying to, um, secularize it a little bit in the sense of um, taking, re remembering to be aware of how easily we get caught up into the 
the world of uh, taken for grantedness and uh, how easily we get caught up in the sense of the self-other duality and um, to when you are formally practicing, whether it's listening to a guided meditation or whether it's sitting in silence and doing your practice, um, it's good to have an understanding of what it is we do. And this, this notion of the, of the bracketing and the suspending, I think is very helpful. The second part is the returning to like, did, did everybody get Jill's? Sorry, I should I should have paraphrased no. Jill's. Jill, Jill's yeah, question was. Would, please. Yeah. Jill's question was. Um, in a sense, she was basically saying, in a guided meditation, I'm listening to your voice, and and you're taking me to that place. But in a sense, um, it kind of like, how do I do that without listening to a guided meditation? Something something like that. Is that right? Yeah, so we don't normally walk around with a guided meditation, you know, in our ears all the time as we're going through our daily lives. So that's true. And that, and, and that is one of the, um, um, it's, it is important not to become too reliant upon a guided meditation and to, so that's why I was trying to sort of step back and be a little bit, um, have a meta perspective on what actually Muji is doing in that guidance. And he's basically carrying out the epicate. And he's saying, suspend all your beliefs. And he's using the metaphor of leave them outside the door. <clears throat> and it's, it's a nice metaphor. And, uh, but, it, but the understanding, that's exactly what we're doing in our silent meditation practice. If, whether you are bringing your attention to an object or whether you are just resting your attention in a more panoramic awareness, you're still, you're still, that's still what you're practicing. It's good to get an understanding of that. I, I like the, the metaphor of, of the brackets. And um, I think that's something that will stay with me. Um, I also, I like Joko's metaphor of, of the bigger bowl, you know, have, have a bigger container to put things in. It's sort of like the bigger container is a bit like brackets, sort of thing. And then, yeah, just useful ways, I think, of thinking about things. Yeah, yeah thanks. And um, the, um, um, we talked to last fortnight about the observing self, which is the, the chapter in Joko's book, the first book is called The Observing Self. And uh, the observing self's the container, but then the, when the kind of, the, it, it, it needs to be clear that the, uh, the, the observer is, is, is not another duality or it can be experienced like that sometimes. But the uh, the observer the observer just falls away, uh, yeah. and in the uh, experience, what she calls the experiencing. Yeah. Um, can I just ask Jill the question? Jill, can you just grab that? Does that doesn't work as a microphone for you if you were speaking into that? I just wanted to test. I just want to test something. Sorry, with the audio system. Okay. 
So you can't you can't hear Jill. So okay. So why is that? I'll have to figure that out later. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Okay. I find that term, um, the natural state, a bit misleading because to me it seems like that is not actually the natural state. It's the um, <clears throat> conditioned state perhaps. And when we go to that awareness, that feels more like a natural state to me. Uh, just an yeah, observation. Yeah, there was a, no, that, I'm glad you raised that, Angie, because I was aware of that while I was going through it because um, you'll come across... The natural state in in, in Zokchan and other other non-dual teachings, which is referring to, you know, pure awareness, the same thing. As but like when Husserl talks about the natural, the natural attitude, uh, and by that he's meaning the conditioned state, um, so the, the taking for granted. So it is a little bit confusing there. I grant you that. Yeah. Uh, run, run. I like the um, concept of the room, leaving things to be outside of the... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a problem we're... That's a problem we're experiencing. I can't amplify the participants in the room. So um, I'm just going to ask okay. Ron, you to come, come closer yeah. and... Uh, so it must be the microphone must just be laptop. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. So I had that understanding that there's the field of awareness that's sort of everywhere and permeating everything, and that everybody and everything is sharing, and then that's holding. You know, it said, "Is awareness." can awareness be have judgment or can awareness feel jealous like no but arising within awareness all of these things yeah. so i don't know what are they or where where are they arising from then if they're not if awareness is you know do you know what i'm sort of yeah it seems really helpful I mean, this is this is what Priscilla argued that, like, he, he he called it something else. But if we if we if we talk about if we use the word awareness, mm -hmm. and talking about that which is before everything, mm -hmm. so um, all our judgments, all our concepts mm -hmm. arise in awareness. Mm -hmm. That's that's the place of being. They, 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 they are illuminated by see, awareness in the in the kind of Buddhist and other traditions is is is, is understood as self-illuminating. It's mm -hmm. understood as being aware of itself. Mm -hmm. Because awareness is aware of itself, but then we can have presence. And so when something appears within awareness, being is disclosed as as, as separate beings, as objects, as their appearances. Mm -hmm. Right? We uh I'm looking at the cup, I'm seeing that perspective on the cup, it's an appearance in my awareness. I'm not seeing that all of the cup, I'm seeing a particular appearance of the cup. In the same way as I see 
imaginary um, objects like a unicorn appearing in my awareness. The unicorn and the cup are no different. They have no more, the unicorn has just as much reality as the cup in awareness point of view, since mm -hmm. it's appearing within awareness. So thoughts appear in awareness, everything appears in awareness. It's the primordial feel for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, one last person wants to share something. We're getting close to 12. I enjoyed the metaphor of the of the room, and it reminds me of something I've been. It's been in my consciousness lately of the empty room, where there's nothing. But it, it's interesting. I had this sense of love, which was um, really beautiful. That leaving things outside of the room. I found it's an easy, uh, easy process to step out or in. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's good. And, and perhaps one thing we neglected to do was to actually, at some point, you can actually um, take down the, uh, the walls in the room and the roof of the room mm. and just be that spaciousness that's all pervasive. Mm. So on that note, we'll finish with the practice principles.